I just want to take a moment before we get into the word and just share. Um, we've had so many people coming to Evangel, and I love it every week. We'll see new people that are here and new guests. And, you know, God is doing a new thing. He really has been saying that to our hearts for a long time. We've been sharing that. And one of the things we prayed for when we came into our new sanctuary is that the Lord would, would break forth in new ways, that he would really move, that the Holy Spirit would speak to us, that God would guide us, that we, we wouldn't just get into a rhythm of just doing service as we've always done it, but that we'll be listening to what God wants. And even in the moment, if he wants to switch something, that we would be obedient. And I just really feel like God's been honoring that prayer every week. But I even felt today, like I, I was burdened as we're, as we're in the midst of of getting ready to come up and preach. I'm thinking, there's so many new people that are in our church. And you might be wondering, this is so different than a lot of other churches. And people are speaking out and people are speaking other languages. I don't understand all of that stuff. And you're saying, Pastor, it's the Holy Spirit. And, and um, I'm so thankful uh, that you're here. And I'm thankful that God speaks to his church. He's doing things that we couldn't make up and we couldn't, uh, we couldn't take credit for. He's moving uh, supernaturally. But part of what God says he'll do um, is he has given the church gifts, gifts of the Holy Spirit. And part of those are gifts where, where there will be messages that can come forth as the Spirit of God is speaking. He'll speak through someone. And so we pause and we listen and we discern. And if it's not of the Lord, it's on the spiritual leadership to discern that. And we would, we would address that and say, you know what, no, church, we're not. Or we, w- we wouldn't allow that to kind of come forth. But when the Holy Spirit's speaking, he chooses us. Isn't that amazing to consider? Not just the person standing here, but he'll, he'll speak. And we're learning that. We're trying to navigate that, understand that. Of course, in a church our size, that can be a little uh, challenging. Um, but also for you as a follower of Jesus, as you have sensed the work of God in your life, we've had multiple people come and say, Pastor, I felt like the Holy Spirit wanted me to say something, but I was just too afraid. I didn't know what to do with it. And we say, well, come and talk to us. Come, like, come and share it with someone, and that will happen sometimes. All of this is to say, church, that I really believe that God had ordained it so that next Sunday morning, um, Pastor Tim Enlow would be with us. Pastor Tim preaches and talks about the ministry of the Holy Spirit like no one I've ever met before. He has spent his whole life and really ministry career just understanding and ministering in that way. He has a non-mystical approach. It's not going to make you feel weird or uncomfortable, but it will really be insightful to help you understand how the Lord uses your life and how the Holy Spirit desires to move and operate through your life. So next Sunday morning and then Sunday evening, we're going to have an awesome time. And it's also going to be a real part of our preparation, I feel, as God is getting us ready to step out in service for service. Is it okay that I pause and share that with you? I just want you to, I want you to understand that and where our heart is. But also, church, we want you to be equipped for every good work that God has. And a part of that is um, we believe that this church is not a building and it's not just a service. And it's not just a gathering of people, it's the body of Christ. And he desires to build us up and to use us and to do amazing things in our midst. And we're learning um, how all that works. And I want you to learn that along with us. And I want us to be the church that Jesus wants us to be. Amen? A church full of his power, full of his life, full of his heart, and seeing lives transformed and communities changed as a result of that. Amen? Amen. So we're going to jump into God's word today. Uh, There's so much great stuff going on. If you're new here, you've been hearing us talk about it. We are excited about Service for Service coming up in two weeks. Um, I believe that, well, at least two of you are with me, but many of us are excited. We just hit 900 or probably more now after last service of signups. We might be getting towards 1,000 pretty soon, Maria. That was our goal is to have 1,000 people gather together and hit the streets uh, in two weeks to see 
uh, what God is going to do through us. And what we do with service for service is we give up our Sunday morning service. We gather here, yes, in the morning. But then from here, we leave and head right into the streets in teams. And we go out and we literally serve our community with the love of Christ. And on that day, it's not just us going to church. It's us being the church in a beautiful, transformative way. And so if you've never done this before, I can't wait for you to be a part of it with us. We want to encourage everyone that hasn't signed up yet, sign up. There is something for everyone to be a part of this year for Service for Service. So you could do that by stopping back at the table in the back. Or if you go right to evangelchurch.com, you can access that um, on your computer or even on your phone. Right on the main page, there's a sign-up link for Service for Service. And you can get signed up and you can select your project that you'll be a part of as we go forward. All right, we ready? All right, let's open up in God's Word today. Matthew's Gospel, the Gospel of Matthew. It's the first Gospel in the New Testament. It's amazing how the Lord's leading these messages, and He's really giving insight to my heart, and I believe to us as a church, about how He is preparing us to go out. But I want you to know, I've, I've heard it said over and over again, and Maria, our Director of Missions and Outreach, who is... Um, really the, the key organizer and leader of Service for Service with her team, um, has continued to say to me, you know, Pastor Chris, it's not just about Service for Service. It's not about a day. It's about a way that we live our lives, and we live on mission here. So Service for Service is really just a one-day incredible expression of a value that's deep in our heart that we want to live out every day. We live on mission. Jesus has called us. We want to step into his plan and his purpose. That would have been a good point for you to get excited about. But it's okay. You'll get there. Um, I need you to be happy because this message is a little, it's going to hit you a little sideways, I think. Some of us going to wake us up a little bit, okay? I'm trying to be real nice right now. But, um, yeah, this message has wrecked my heart, and, and I think it's going to wreck our hearts com collectively today. And I just need the Lord's help to help deliver this. So we're going to ask him to speak to us this morning, Lord. Jesus, thank you. You've already been speaking. You're already here. You're already present. You're already here to heal. You're here to deliver. You're here to provide, Lord. You've, you've shared all that with us. But today, Lord, we ask for a word that would come into our hearts, Lord. And I pray today, Lord God, Jesus, give us your heart. That's what I ask, Lord God. Give us your heart today, Jesus, Lord God. Help us to see the way that you see. Help us to feel what you feel. In your name we pray. Amen. I believe the answer to that prayer is really seen in this passage of Scripture. Matthew chapter 9, starting in verse 35. Here's what it says. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. Isn't that amazing? And when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd, then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Jesus looked out over the multitudes. He went throughout all the villages. But you know what really grabs me here at the very end? The last thing that Jesus said here, he told his disciples... He said, ask the Lord of the harvest to send more workers into his fields. Here's what I want you to know. In two weeks, when we step foot out into our community, into the harvest that God has in this area, do you realize that you and I will literally be 
a part of a prayer that Jesus taught us to pray being answered, that you're a part of the answer to that prayer, that Jesus said to his followers, pray and ask the Lord of the harvest. And I promise you, over the 2,000 years since Jesus shared those words, and so many have seen that. Do you know what many have done? I know I personally have done it on multiple occasions. I've joined the Lord in that prayer. Lord, send more workers into the harvest. Lord, send more workers. And soon, you and I, we are going to step in and we're going to be a part of the answer to that prayer that the Lord's speaking to our hearts and we're going to step into the harvest that he has for us. I really feel like the Lord is giving us the opportunity to live out some of this passage of Scripture. Think about this. It said Jesus went throughout all the towns and villages. But here's what it's going to say for us. On October 13th, 2019, Jesus' followers at Evangel Church in Scotch Plains went through all the towns and villages, teaching and sharing proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and by the Lord's grace, even healing and seeing miracles happen in their midst, that we would enter into this kind of ministry the same way we saw Jesus go, that we would go. And you want you to, I want you to know something. When Jesus finished his ministry, his time here on earth, before he went to be with the Father in heaven, he turned to his disciples and said this, just as the Father sent me, so we're sending you. And then the disciples said to one another one day, a long time later, and as they looked at another generation of believers rising up, just as Jesus sent us, now we're sending you. And then another generation rose up and said, just as the Lord sent us, now we're sending you. It has been a passing on of this calling, this mission, over and over and over again, and it reaches us today, church. We're a part of the same mission, the same purpose, the same desire. So Jesus went out, and he moved throughout the areas, and he, 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 you saw him moving in, in transformational ways. He did the work of the kingdom. He did the work of God. He was fulfilling the will of the Father. That was, that's what Jesus' whole goal was, was to do the work that God had sent him to do. And last Sunday... We came to a place in our message, if you didn't hear it, go online and listen to it, that we want to align our will with God's will, that we want the number one goal of our life to be this, I want to fulfill the will of God for me. And when we say yes and amen to that, oh, the Lord can do amazing things in and through our lives if we mean it and we dedicate ourselves to that purpose. But here's what I've realized, that there's something that's needed that we find in this passage. Something that if we don't have it, the will of God can become laborsome. The will of God can feel frustrating. It can feel like work, grueling work. We can feel tired. We can get bitter. We can get burnt out. We can get frustrated if we're missing this one thing. And it's found here in chapter 9, verse 36. It said, when Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. A few years ago, my father-in-law went to a routine doctor's appointment. And he had no idea that there was something terribly wrong going on inside of him. Most people that have heart issues have heart attacks or some kind of cardiac episode that puts them in a position where they're shown that things aren't as it should be. But in him, with this routine checkup, the doctor said, there's something wrong with your heart. You have wh what they call an arrhythmia. Has anyone ever heard of that? An arrhythmia is where the heart isn't beating the way that it's supposed to be beating. It's out of sync. And I've actually known a few people since then, a few people here in our body, we prayed for you, that there's an arrhythmia that gets 
developed in your in your heart, and it starts to just beat off sync, and it creates some issues for you, and it could be uh, it could be a big deal. Here's what I feel like the Lord has been showing me and challenging me about: that I feel that there is a spiritual arrhythmia that is plaguing the church. That we claim to be followers of Jesus, but our hearts are not beating in sync with His. Our hearts are out of sync with His heart. And I want you to know that if we do the will and work of God without the heart of God, then we miss it. And, 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 and it hurts everything, and it hurts us, and it hurts the people around us. I want you to know that whenever I looked at the Pharisees, have you ever seen in the scriptures where you have these religious leaders and these Pharisees? And there they are. And it, it almost seems that every instance, they seem to be opposed to what Jesus is doing. And they are the Jewish religious leaders. They are the people, and, and we, they get such a bad rap in Scripture because of the fact that we look at them, and they're like the very people who are crucifying Jesus. They're the very ones that are helping to perpetrate this whole thing. They're so against him. They're looking for anything they can to get in the way of what he's doing. And all Jesus is there to do is fulfill the will of God. Do you want to know what the Pharisees thought they were doing? They thought they were fulfilling the will of God. They thought they were doing the work of God by dealing with Jesus in that way. And when the Pharisees saw the people, do you know what they saw? They saw problems. They saw outcasts. They saw sinners. They saw broken people. They saw all the worst things about the people. They saw past people and didn't even notice them. And so when they see Jesus going to these people, they think he's, he's, he's a mess too. They think he's just like them. And they cannot understand it. Why does he eat with sinners and tax collectors? And why is he talking to them? And why is he sitting at a well talking to a Samaritan woman? I mean, it was just so scandalous and so broken. But here's the deal. You want to know what Pharisees were? They were people, religious people, doing the work of God minus the heart of God. Have you ever thought about that? Have you ever considered that? And do you want to know what happens, I think, today in the church? I think we, we can get filled with accidental Pharisees. That we're here, and yes, we love God dearly. But our hearts don't break anymore for the things that break his heart. Our hearts get hardened. Our hearts get calloused. I was sitting with a pastor this week, and we were talking, and then we were talking about service or service and some other things, and he was saying, man, that's like, that's the wake-up call we need. He said, because I got, I got people in my church, man, they just, they love the titles. They love getting to certain positions. They love all that, but they don't have a heart for, for people anymore. They don't have a heart for what God wants to do. They, they just got so comfortable just in doing church and playing church and doing all this. And, and, and I just feel like God wants us to step out and touch the broken and see his kingdom move. And, and the pastor was burdened. Whenever my family and loved ones had this arrhythmia that I'm talking about, and when I know other people have, one of the things that needed to take place and it had to happen for my father-in-law was that they actually had to do a shock treatment to the heart where they put a little shock there, and that shock just sparked the heart back into beating right. I just am believing through this word and through the power of the Holy Spirit that the Lord is just going to shock our heart a little bit, okay? He's just going to touch it, and, 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 and what is out of beat is going to just come in sync. I can't do it. I just can't do it, but the Lord can do it. Amen? I want you to know that wherever you are, if you don't feel anymore, if you feel like far from God, if you feel calloused, if you are saying, Pastor, this message is for me, and I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do for you either, but do this. Ask Jesus to give us his heart. And just as we just pray in just a few moments, I believe the Lord's going to work a miracle because he made a promise that we'll read in a few minutes. And he's going he's to touch our lives and our hearts. I really believe that your, 
I want you to just do this. Put your finger on your heart and then put your finger on your eyes. I, there's a connection here, okay? Here's what it says. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. The condition of your heart affects how you see things, affects how you view things. You see it through a certain lens. You see it in a certain way. And that was the problem. It was a heart issue. It was, a, you know, Jesus called the Pharisees whitewashed tombs. He said, you're beautiful on the outside, but you're dead on the inside. We don't want to be like that. Amen? I told you it's going to be a little, little sharp. Go to John's Gospel, chapter 4, and in John's Gospel, chapter 4, Jesus finds himself in a, a, an interesting situation. Again, he sees the way we don't see. He sees people's hearts. He sees with a heart of compassion. When he sees people, he doesn't see the problems. He doesn't see all that other stuff and the, the scandal and the things that throws everyone else off. He sees their heart, and his heart breaks for brokenness. His heart breaks for sin. Today, if you feel guilty being in church because you feel if God knew your sin and the mess and there's stuff that you've done that no one else should ever know about, you're so ashamed of it and, and you don't even know what to do with it. And if God ever knew it, he would like strike you with a lightning bolt. I want you to know that's not it. God's heart breaks for your sin. He loves you. And here's the deal, though. He loves you too much to let you stay in that mess. He loves you too much for you to continue sinning. Don't think that honors him. Don't think you're just going to say, I want to follow you, God, and you're going to keep going back to this. The Lord wants to set you free from that. And when he sets you free, don't go back. You turn away from it and you run after him. But I want you to know his love is toward you. He doesn't hate you. The things that you've done may have caused other people around you to, to sever a relationship, to keep a distance, to not love you. I just feel like the Lord is wanting me to say this to someone right now. This isn't in my notes at all. But I, I, I really believe the Lord wants you to know that he loves you and that, he, that he's pursuing you and that the things you've done, they don't scare him. They're not too big for him to take care of. That he will forgive you of it if you come to him and he will free you from it if you come to him. And when he frees you, you can live a whole different kind of life if you'll commit to follow him. That's for someone right now. Come on, let's just bow our heads right now and figure out who that's for. You're here today and you just... You just really need the Lord. You've fallen. You're at the end of yourself. You messed up. You came today. You put on maybe a, a smile. But, but, man, you're broken on the inside. And you don't know what to do and where to turn. The Lord Jesus is here today, right now. He wants you to know it's not too late. It's not, it's not over yet. With every head bowed and eye closed, if that's you right now, and you're ready just to call upon the Lord, and you need him to come and forgive you of your sins, and you're ready to follow him. You've got to be ready to give this up, ready to walk away from this stuff, ready to cut it out of your life and follow him. You may not have the strength to do it. He'll do it for you. He'll help you if you give your whole heart and your whole life to him. If that's you right now, without anyone looking around, I just want you to shoot your hand up in the air so I can pray for you. If that's you right now, amen. Praise God, I see you. Is there anyone else? I see you right there. Anyone else? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hands are going up around. We're going to pray right now. I want you right now from the top of, uh, from the bottom of your heart, just, just come before the Lord. And I want you just to ask him to come in to give you his forgiveness, his grace, his mercy. Just repeat these words after me. And anyone else that wants to, you can say this as well. Dear Jesus, I ask you to come into my life to forgive me of my sins that separated me from you. Today, I turn away from it all and I run after you. And I commit myself to you all the days of my life. Where you lead me, 
I will follow. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want you to look at me right now if that's you. Praise God. We're just thankful that, that you're here. And we thank the Lord for you. I saw your hands go up. I saw you. Please, please don't leave here without talking to someone. Don't leave here without letting someone know I said that prayer. Today's the day. Because it's not enough that you just said a prayer and you, you, you're right with God in this moment. I want you to know today, if you, if, if you leave here and your life ends, you stand in heaven with God. Your sins are forgiven. He has given you that. If you've called upon the Lord, he hears you and he saves those who call upon the name of the Lord. He promises that. But this is the beginning, not the end. He now wants to lead you in a journey to know him more, to walk in that freedom. And, um, man, if you, don't, if you don't get serious about that, you're going to find yourself in a mess maybe not too long because you, did, you took a first step, but you didn't take the rest of the steps. Man, I'm saying a lot today. Please, um, please just connect with someone. Talk to us. John chapter 4, Jesus finds himself with a Samaritan woman. He tells her. He knows her sin. He knows her brokenness. He knows all the things she's done. And he still speaks to her, and he still invites her into a conversation. He still tells her, I have something that you, that you need. I have living water that could change your life. And he even reveals that he's the Messiah. He's God's promised one that comes to save the people of God. Her life was changed. But at that time when Jesus was having that conversation, it was just him and her. And she was a Samaritan woman. He was a Jewish man. And the Jewish people and the Samaritans, they hated each other. And so it was, if it was just Jesus and a woman alone, that would already be scandalous because what's he doing alone over by some well just talking to a woman who's not his wife and who's not her husband? And, and, and knowing her reputation, which Jesus already knew that she had five husbands living with a man that she is not married to, there he is, another man sitting with her. I mean, it, it has scandal written all over it. So his disciples come, and it's this awkward moment where where they're looking at him, and the Bible kind of unpackages it like, they're like, why is he talking to this woman? What's he doing? And they had gone off to get some food, so they come and they bring some food back, and, and the woman runs away, and they're there with Jesus. And it's like, you know those awkward moments you don't know what to say? So they say, Rabbi, maybe you should eat something. And Jesus turns to them, because he's like, you guys don't even see what's happening. You don't even, you don't even understand what's going on right now. And Jesus says to them, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. And then he says to them, and this gives an idea of what time of the year this would have been. Don't you have a saying that it's still four months until the harvest? And they're thinking, yeah, it's about four months till the harvest. He said, no, I tell you, open your eyes, look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest right now. He's not making an agricultural statement here. He's making a spiritual statement. And he's saying, you guys can't even see it, but there's a harvest all around. You have no idea that what you thought was scandalous is a harvest in this woman's life. And then people start coming one by one from Samaria, and they all start putting their faith in Jesus. Read the passage. That's what happens right there in John chapter 4. Jesus says, the fields are ripe with harvest. God's going to give you new eyes if you'll allow him to, that the places we step our feet in a few weeks from now, man, the places you step your feet tomorrow, you can see the harvest if you ask him to show you. You can see the opportunity. You can see the plans. You can see the purpose that God has. And it will change your life forever. One of the most heartbreaking things that a farmer can really ever go through, it isn't when they get no crops. If you've ever farmed, anyone ever planted stuff in your backyard, you've ever planted a garden? A couple of you have. It, it, can, be, it can be fun. Um, 
you know, but I want you to think about that on a grand scale. You're talking about hundreds of acres of that. You're talking about a humongous amount of it. And if you're a farmer, the worst thing isn't just that you wouldn't get any, a- anything to grow or if you'd have some kind of plague or pestilence that came and ate your crop. Do you want to know what the, real mo- the most heartbreaking of everything would be? Would be if you had an abundant harvest and no one there to harvest it with you. Because you know what happens? It all starts to spoil and die on the vine. And you see all this potential, and you see all this, all this harvest that's right in front of you, and no one willing to step into it. It's right there. The work's been done. The fruit is already there. It's on the vine. It's ripe. It's ready. But no one's willing to go and step into it. That's what Jesus saw when he saw the people. He didn't see p- problems. He didn't see a whole lot of work. He didn't see a lot of uncomfortable situations. All he saw was harvest. He said, the harvest is plentiful. The workers are so few. few. Pray that the Lord would send some more into the harvest fields. When we step out, we're stepping into the harvest, church. When we step out, we're stepping into what God wants for us. I'm going to invite Pastor Rick to come on up at this time in the worship team. Jesus said, as I sent, as the Father sent me, so I'm sending you. I, I read this quote as I was studying for this passage of Scripture. And it's just stood out to me so deeply. And I, I shared this in the first service, and so many people came to me afterwards and said, what book did you get that from? So let me just tell you right now, if you're taking notes, as after you hear this, you might want to write it down. But there's a IVP commentary series, which is what I, I study commentaries to get ready for the message on Sunday. And it's about uh, the Gospel of Matthew. It's written by a man named Craig Keener, K-E-E-N-E-R. And he wrote, and as I'm reading it, I'm like, man, you're talking to us. Lord, you're, you're speaking right to us. And as he's speaking... I just want to read to you this quote. It's so connected to what God's called us to. It says, Our communities are ravaged by demonic forces, violent injustice, and all kinds of human pain, while the church often remains irrelevant except for the few who venture out through its doors. To follow Jesus' model of ministry, more Christians must stop simply going to church and learn rather to become the church among our communities in evangelism and ministry to social needs. Doesn't that sound like what God's called us to, church? To step into it, to step out of our seats, into the streets, to not give up going to church, but move from going to church to being the church. Because that's really the goal here, not to go to a church service, but to be the church that Jesus envisioned us to be. So sign up, join with us in the mission of what God's called us to. But if we're going to do that, and if we go through all of this work, and we've done the work of God, we've fulfilled the will of God, but we've done it without the heart of Jesus, and I think we've missed something so big. And I think we won't be able to see the people that God wants us to see, and we won't be prompted to do the work he wants us to do, because we have to be able to look out over the harvest fields that we enter into, and we need to see those who are helpless and harassed. We need to see the sheep without a shepherd. And we have to be ready to move in obedience to the Lord. So how do I get a heart? How do I have a heart that's, that's aligned with God's? I believe this. It's a heart of obedience. And I believe it's a heart that is full of compassion. And I want you to know in both of those, the Lord has made a promise. You can't change your own heart. I can't change my own heart. Only God can change our hearts. Are you with me? And so today, if our desire is, Lord, we want to have this heart, we want to have your heart, then I believe that God is already fulfilling that promise in Jesus. Look at Ezekiel 36, 26. 
This is long before Jesus was ever born. This is in the Old Testament. And this is what God promises. And this is what happened when Jesus was born, died, rose again, and the Holy Spirit fills our lives. He says, I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. And I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. The Lord has the power to heal that spiritual arrhythmia right now. Come on, right now, would you just take your hand, place it on your chest. We're going to pray. And as we pray, we're praying, Lord, make our hearts obedient. And make our hearts, Lord, beat for what beats in your heart, Lord God. Break our heart for what breaks your heart, Lord God. Prompt us how you'd use us. Lord, right now we come to you, Lord God, and we desire with everything within us, Lord God, to be obey you, Lord God, to follow you, to be men and women after your heart, Lord God. We ask you right now, Holy Spirit, to fill us afresh and anew. Speak to us this week. Speak to us next Sunday especially. Meet us. Fill us, empower us. Transform our hearts, Lord God, that we'll feel what you feel, that we'll see what you see, that we'll do what you call us to do. We thank you, Lord, and we love you in Jesus' name.